Pharmaceutical giant Johnson & Johnson ran a false and dangerous sales campaign that caused addiction and death, and it actually drove America's opioid epidemic. That, according to an Oklahoma court, that uh, ruling coming down uh, yesterday, the first of its kind against the uh, drug industry. Now, in this uh, damning 42-page decision, the judge ruled that Johnson & Johnson bore a wide responsibility for helping to create the worst drug epidemic in U.S. history. He went on to say it not only Johnson & Johnson aggressively pushed false claims about the safety and effectiveness of its own narcotics, but, at the, but that it changed medical practice with deceptive claims intended to break down caution among doctors about prescribing opioids. Let's have a listen to a Johnson & Johnson's uh, lawyer. This is Sabrina Strong and uh, what she had to say. Uh, she says uh, the company does not agree with that ruling. We do not believe that the facts or the law supports the decision today. We have many strong grounds for appeal, and we intend to pursue those vigorously. All right, again, that's Johnson & Johnson's lawyer, Sabrina Strong. Let's welcome in Laura Hensley. She is a global news national online journalist, and she just recently finished a, a series on the opioid crisis in this country, and she joins us now here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Laura, good afternoon. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. Thanks for coming in. And uh, let me just uh, first off ask you, uh, what does this decision by this Oklahoma court, uh, what does it mean when it comes to the opioid crisis, uh, not only south of the border, but uh, maybe here? What sort of repercussions do you think this is going to have? I think this is a really important case because it's, you know, signifying that manufacturers are being held responsible for their role. You know, up until Monday, we really didn't have uh, a case like this that found a pharmaceutical company guilty on this on this level. It's, it's signaling that courts are realizing the role that drug manufacturers played in triggering the opioid crisis. And now they are being expected to pay, you know, that that the repercussions of the crisis is costing, you know, Canada and the United States billions of dollars and governments want those who, you know, supplied and sold these drugs to be held responsible. Yeah. And the repercussions for Johnson and Johnson, pretty significant. Uh, I don't think I've mentioned uh, they've been ordered to pay five hundred and seventy two million dollars for uh, fueling the opioid crisis in, in Oklahoma, according to this uh, court. Uh, that's not an insignificant amount of money. But uh, do you think, uh, you know, when we look at this uh, as a whole, you mentioned this is a billion, uh, billions, billions of dollars uh, industry. Uh, do you think that that uh, price tag, does that uh, get Johnson and Johnson's attention and other drug makers? I think that money might just be pocket change for them, but I think it's enough that it says, listen, we are taking what you did seriously and there are, you know, repercussions. And I think it also signals to other drug manufacturers that, you know, in the States and in Canada, courts are coming for them. And I think they want to hold them responsible and they want to let people know that there is, you know, some not sense of justice, but there is someone who is now hopefully going to help pay to repair that damage. So while, you know, companies like Johnson and Johnson and Purdue Pharma made billions of dollars off of opioid sales, it's at least a significant amount to, I think, the people in Oklahoma to get them the help they need. So is there a feeling that yesterday is a decision? Is it um, I don't know, a watershed moment, uh, do you think, when it comes to the opioid crisis? 
I think so. I mean, in Canada, we have BC and Ontario. They filed lawsuits against drug manufacturers, including Johnson & Johnson, Purdue Pharma. Um, and so I think that the fact that this happened in the States, it sets an example for what can happen in Canada. And I think that, you know, in Ontario, at least in May, there was a $1.1 billion lawsuit filed against all these drug manufacturers. This, I think, is inspiring to Canadians. Hopefully it shows that this can be done here. And if it can be done here, you know, Policies might change. Practices mm-hmm. might change. It might be a good, real, a really good learning opportunity. Well, let's delve into that a little bit uh, and a little bit closer to home on this side of the border because, as I mentioned off the top, uh, you've done a lot of work uh, in this area, a lot of reporting on the opioid crisis. Uh, how accountable are drug makers uh, for how their drugs are used or overprescribed or abused uh, by people? I mean, how accountable should they should they be for that? I think if we talk specifically about opioids, drug manufacturers played a significant role into the overprescribing of them. You know, we now know that drug companies, we'll, we'll use Purdue for example, they have spent so much money on marketing campaigns. They have deliberately sent salespeople out to target doctors and to pharmacies and to, and to educate healthcare professionals on the safety of opioids and what they can be used for. And those marketing campaigns, uh, you know, were so successful that we saw prescription rates increased tremendously. You know, in 2018, 3.7 million Canadians use an opioid prescription, mm-hmm. which is a huge amount. So we do know that they play a very significant role. I think that they are downplaying how important their role is, but now the lawsuit has shown in court that they played a significant role. And I think that this will hopefully continue to be seen in court. Okay. Is this getting, uh, do you think, and what does your reporting uh, tell you uh, to the crux of the problem? Because I'm sure Johnson and Johnson and other drug makers uh, would argue that, uh, listen, this is a legal product. It does help people. We have every right to uh, market uh, this product, to tell physicians that uh, this is safe to uh, prescribe. This is a good thing to prescribe, but it is part of the problem. And, you know, we've seen reports on this. Uh, we've talked about this in the show before. You know, doctors get swept away to these conferences and, uh, you know, uh, all expenses paid uh, to these exotic uh, locations. And is there kind of like a quid pro quo going on between these drug companies and doctors? Uh, is that what we really got to get to? Certainly. And one of the one of my features in my series on opioids looked exactly at this. It was how does a relationship between a pharmaceutical company and a doctor affect prescribing habits? And research shows that it normally does negatively. So that means if you have a relationship with a drug rep, they might give you free samples. They might take you to dinner. They might come visit you and ask how your children are and give you small values of of money. That can make a doctor more likely to prescribe their drug. So doctors are like anyone. They're humans. They build relationships. There's a sense of trust. But we have to remember that drug companies, they have a goal and that's to sell product. And I think sometimes doctors... They have great intentions, but I think they think they're immune to these mm-hmm. marketing tactics. Well, you know, it's something that obviously works in the favor of the drug company trying to sell their product or convince doctors, uh, you know, to buy and prescribe their uh, product. And I'm sure doctors don't want to give up what is, you know, kind of a good perk, uh, really. But, you know, I just I look at our own industry in radio, like payola was outlawed years ago. And that was just for like accepting money or uh, gifts to play somebody's song over the air. I mean, what we're talking about here is uh, drugs that significantly impact people's lives and do we need stricter regulations i think we do you know there is currently no disclosure laws in canada that say that a pharmaceutical rep 
sorry, a pharmaceutical company needs to disclose how much money they give a doctor or hospital. And likewise, doctors don't have to tell their patients if they get money from a drug company. You know, in 2018, I think it was, I forget the exact amount, but in the past two years, $151 billion was given to hospitals and healthcare um, professionals from the drug industry. And we know that because 10 drug companies voluntarily gave that information up. Um, But there's no laws. They don't have to do that. And that's just the top 10 that said, okay, I'll give you this information. So there's so much more happening behind the scenes and Canadians just have no clue. And I think that's where, you know, policies and regulations need to come in place. Yeah, I'm also wondering about the pharmaceutical reps uh, themselves and if they're paid on commission and, uh, you know, a percentage of uh, sales because... You know, we're not talking about selling widgets uh, here, right? I mean, again, these are drugs that are very powerful, that are addictive. And is this something that, uh, you know, salespeople should be pushing on doctors who then push out the door to, uh, you know, various uh, patients? Well, drug reps, I've interviewed several in my reporting, and they all tell me that they are you know, their job is to sell a product. That is what they go out and do every single day. They have sales target goals. They're rewarded for high performances and they get bonuses based on those performances. So there's a huge financial incentive. Um, so they use various tactics, you know, they, they use tactics, um, you know, like dropping by doctor's offices, giving them gifts, taking them to meals, educating them. They have so many different ways and that directly affects the prescribing habits. And like you said, it's drugs that Canadians are taking it has a serious impact on what we do yeah so is there a feeling that maybe this uh, lawsuit is going to open up some of these i think are very relevant important issues you and i have just been discussing over the last five minutes or so i hope so because i think the average person doesn't know a lot about this yeah uh tell us a bit about uh, what you've seen just kind of uh, firsthand and your reporting has told you about just how big the opioid crisis is uh, in this country how deadly it is I think the opioid crisis, unfortunately, has highlighted how powerful drug companies are. It's a huge issue. You know, um, out of the 3.7 million Canadians who used a prescription opioid last year, one in 10 reported problematic use. Um, We know that if you are addicted to opioids, you know, that addiction can go from something as innocent as going to a doctor for a pain that you had in your back or after a surgery, you're prescribed an opioid. These drugs are highly addictive. That doesn't mean every single person who uses them will get addicted, but it means a lot of people do. And unfortunately, now the crisis has led a lot of people who became addicted through prescription opioids to street opioids. As soon as their prescription runs out, you know, people who are addicted then turn to illicitly obtained drugs. Yeah. And how well are these drugs being uh, tracked? I mean, when you talk about street opioids, uh, you know, where are those coming from? Uh, how do they land in nefarious uh, hands? I mean, is this, uh, you know, people that, uh, don't need their opioids anymore and uh, decided that they can make a quick buck. Uh, are we doing a good enough job when it comes to uh, tracking those that are out there kind of in the general population? I think there is some of that. I think there is some, you know, there's the rare case where a doctor will have his own prescription pad and then sell those drugs or a, pr- a patient will sell their own drugs. But I think more so the cases that we're getting these drugs imported from overseas and they are tainted with fentanyl. And, you know, you know, fentanyl is so, so potent that you could be going and buying a drug on the street and it can be laced with fentanyl and you don't know that. And that's where we're seeing a lot of the overdoses happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about CBD oil and about uh, marijuana as, uh, I, you know, I've seen uh, reports that this could maybe be uh, the cure for the opioid uh, epidemic that, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, pain relief in uh, some of those uh, products with not necessarily the addictive qualities that we've seen in opioids. 
Yeah, that's a good question. And I think that's a conversation that needs to ha- uh, be had when there's more research. You know, marijuana has just become legalized so recently and there hasn't been, from all the pain experts I've spoken to at least, they th- they say that there hasn't been enough scientific evidence to prove that it can be an effective tool yet. You know, there's promise for sure, but we need more science for that. I think the underlying issue that we need to get at is pain. Why are so many people in pain? How can we help people who are in pain? What can we turn to that's not a deadly opioid for pain? And some experts say, you know, uh, cognitive behavior therapy, rehabilitation therapy. There's a lot of different therapies, but they're not always government funded. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge problem. All right, just to bring this back a full circle, we started off this conversation. The genesis of it was the Johnson & Johnson lawsuit in Oklahoma where they've been held accountable and have to pay $570 million in damages. You alluded to this a second ago, Laura, but there are similar cases in this country that are that are going to be heard? So, yes, uh, BC has sued opioid manufacturers, and in Ontario, uh, a $1.1 billion lawsuit was filed. These haven't been proven in court yet. Um, but you know, if they proceed, this could the the Oklahoma lawsuit could be a really great president for what can happen here. All right, we'll be watching with interest. Uh, Laura, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming by. Thanks for having me. There goes Laura Hensley with uh, Global News National uh, Online, who recently just finished a series on the opioid crisis, which of course uh, you can uh, find and read for yourself at globalnews.ca.